1: I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Many thanks again to Gina Rivera for last week's visit and her inspiring story about how grit can fill in the blanks for just about any shortfall when you've got enough of it. Said another way, there are just some people that you should never tell that they can't Do something or achieve something because of perceived barriers to entry. Things like a formal education and lots of money for seed capital are standard requirements for most. But nothing about Gina Rivera fit those molds when her business career began back in 2007. Now, as Phoenix Salon Suites closes in on 300 successful locations, my belief is that we'll be seeing and hearing plenty more from and about them in the years ahead as they continue on their charted course. Toward global expansion. And speaking of those who do things a bit differently than others, stay tuned for today's conversation with retired NBA basketball player Walter Bond. Walter's different because he played pro ball as an interim career on the way to his next career stop and the rest of his life, as opposed to most professional athletes who think that their game playing days are the main event of their lives only to wind up broke broken and too young to quit making money, but with no real skills or training to do much else once their bodies quit. No, when the clock winds down on the average pro athlete's five-year career, often their prosperous earning potential also comes to a screeching halt as well, unlike business professionals who have the benefit of lifelong education and career path guidance. That was the inspiration behind the creation of the Pro Athlete Franchise Initiative, which retired NFL player Michael Stone and I gave birth to some 10 or 11 years ago. It was in those years that I had the good fortune of meeting Walter Bond. Unlike those athletes that came to our programs to learn about life after the game, Walter was actually there to speak with and guide them. As Walter will tell you in his own words today, playing pro ball was always his desire, but it was never intended to be his final destination. And that's just one of the things that makes him oh so different. When I return in two minutes or less, I'll be joined by the affable Walter Bond.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. We'll now Comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. For 19 years, Walter Bond has specialized in making the thinking patterns, strategies, and behavior of top performers across a multitude of industries easier to learn and apply. Through keynotes viewed by millions, best-selling books, and life-changing coaching programs, Walter Bond has helped countless business leaders, diverse teams, and dreamers become the peak performers they were destined to be. How does he do it? He's here to tell us. Walter Bond, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Thank you, Stan. My honor and privilege to get a chance to spend some quality time with you.
1: It's my privilege to have you with me, and I wish we had more time for quality time, but maybe sometime post-COVID, we'll get to do some of that again. What do you think?
2: You know what? I can't wait to post-COVID, but even when we get to post-COVID, it's going to be a new world out here, and hopefully everybody's ready for it.
1: Well, we're going to talk some about all of that. I think 2013 is the first place that I can find you and I having an intersection in our lives together. Can you go back further than that, or is that a Got right for you too.
2: At least 2013. You know, my wife and I was in franchising back in the late 90s, but as a speaker and coach and consultant, that didn't take place until 2000. So I had to learn what I was doing to fail a little bit and had a bunch of success, and here I am. Well,
1: we're going to start the interview the same way I always do. We're going to take you back to that intersection of first and foremost where franchising and you found one another. And maybe then we can bring it up to date with some of the influences of those early years, those years before before we knew each other, but that you and franchising at least had found one another. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it was great. You know, I played uh, eight years of pro basketball and I was playing for the Utah Jazz and my wife was pregnant and she heard about a franchise. It was called Jimbery Playing Music. And eventually we moved to Minneapolis to kind of make that our base. That's where I went to college. And we found that the franchisee in the Twin Cities was selling her location and she had the rights to four. And so during my basketball career, horrible timing, my wife and I bought it. And we kind of cut our teeth on business and we actually failed doing you know, franchising. And it was a tough business. It was a really tough market at the time to do play programs for kids. Leases were expensive. And the good news is, I mean, we got our first shot at becoming entrepreneurs. And years later, I was speaking at a franchise conference and a guy named Sandy Lechner heard me and he was like, how do you know so much about franchising? And I was like, well, I used to be a franchisee. And he was like, do you want to speak to more franchise groups? I I was like, well, that makes sense. I'm a full-time speaker now. And that's how it happened. Um, and then I think I met you through Sandy Lechner. And now I sit on a couple of corporate boards in the franchise community and have become a real resource on how to win big in franchise.
1: So for those who haven't seen you and are only hearing your name and hearing your voice for the first time today, what they're hearing now and what somebody hears when they see Walter on the stage, the difference is almost between somebody having a conversation or somebody listening to a fired up preacher in a Sunday sermon, just giving it all up. Give us some background on how how all that came together and why you got into business instead of ministry, because I think you would have been killing it either.
2: Yeah, that's funny. My, my oldest brother is a preacher, so <laughs> you know, I, did, I didn't land too far from it. And motivational speaker is really a combination of all of the different type of public presenter. You know, Sometimes you're a comedian, other times you're a teacher, and you nailed it. Sometimes you're preaching. And so the client gives me an hour, you got to do all of it. You got to inspire people, motivate people, kind of get on the soapbox, if you will. And how we developed as a company. Now that we do coaching and consulting and can really help organizations transform, the Keynote now is really a commercial of what we really do for companies like Jersey Mikes and Buffalo Wild Wings and different organizations that really enjoy the message, but they want more, right? So how do we take this message and bake it into our culture? And so that's what I mean by the commercial. And so we've done so many franchise events and franchise groups. I'm a former franchisee. And people really appreciate my down-to-earth understanding from the franchisee's perspective as well as the franchisor's perspective. And I almost become like Uncle Walter, if you will. You know, because the truth is nothing's more a replicative of a family than franchising. You know, the franchisor is mom and dad, if you will, and the franchisees are the kids, right? And in order to have a happy family every now and then, you have to have Uncle Walter come by and be the voice of reason and the referee.
1: So when you were a franchisee and you said it was a tough time and a tough market for what you were doing, there were some lessons that came out of that that had to have stuck with you that you took into your new career as the speaker, you were talking in early days about failure in franchising, as I remember.
2: Yeah. And, and I learned that through basketball, Stan, is that, you know, you, you lose some games and you got to learn from it. You miss some shots. You got to learn from those. And sometimes you shoot an airball, right? But it's all a part of the learning process. And so, when my wife and I got into business, we were young. I was still playing pro sports, but I learned so much about focus, uh, so much about being all in, uh, so much about a brand, you know, really taking care of their franchisees. And I mean, we were drinking from a fire hose, to be honest with you. And so, as we grew our own company as a resource in training and development, we were able to go and get inside of companies, franchising and other other brands, other type of industries, and to really understand what are the challenges, right? You know, I I played on the Utah Jazz. We were a winning team. I played on the Dallas Mavericks. We were bad. Right. So I understand the difference. And now because we've had success and we failed, we are able to give real life how to's for brands in order to be successful. So, for example, if you look at McDonald's, you know, and one thing about sports Stan. we watch a lot of games. Right. And so if you look at the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, that was championship basketball. The Celtics in the 80s. Right. Uh, You can look at the L.A. Lakers right now and you can see what a championship team looks like and how it operates. So when we come inside of a brand, that's the goal. So is this brand communicating well? Do the franchisees trust the franchisor? Is there good accountability? You know, there's a lot of benchmarks that you look at to make sure that a brand is healthy regardless of how big a brand is but McDonald's really set the tone through training and development in the Hamburger University and so I tell all of my clients a smart franchise brand is a training and development organization at its core you don't have to look any further than McDonald's and Hamburger University what is Chick-fil-A doing with their training and development and their culture they're kicking buttons 6 days Opposed to seven, why? Because they have a really strong training and development mentality and culture. I spoke at a conference and there was a Chick-fil-A executive in the audience and she grabbed me and she goes, come here, come here. You know, I thought I was going to the principal's office. And she was like, have you seen our handbook? You know, I'm so-and-so from Chick-fil-A. And I was like, no, you you must have seen her handbook. I said, no, I've not seen your handbook. She says, everything in your keynote is in her handbook. And what that did for me, Stan, is really let me know that I've been paying attention and I kind of cracked the code through my own experience of being a subpar franchisee, if you will, and failing but also being connected to some great brands that are flourishing and thriving. And it's really allowed us to create a menu of services to help any brand get better, to help any brand get stronger and faster because continuous improvement is what you're after. So wherever your brand is today, it's just a point of reference. But the question is, how do I improve the brand? And number one way you can do that is through training and development. And that's what we offer and provide.
1: I remember from a video that I watched someplace down the road, Walter, you shared a story about a principal and you being in the hallway and getting a finger in your face. Are you where you belong? Are you where you belong? And to me, you told the story around all that I think you were speaking in reference to becoming an NBA player or what it would take for a coach to help you become I think you were constantly asking what, am, what do I have to do what do I have to do and where do I need to be and what do I have to do and I feel like there's a huge parallel there to the world of franchising as well and whether it's chick-fil-a or any other brand you've got to have players on the team that belong there in order to be able to build a team around it isn't that correct
2: Stan you nailed it and that high school principal happened to be my dad and you're right when the Bell rang, he would always come into the hallway and he would just challenge everybody. Where are you supposed to be? Where are you supposed to be? The bell rang. Nobody should be in the hallway. Where are you supposed to be? So that became a metaphor for me in goal setting, right? And where am I supposed to be? In high school, I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to graduate college in four years. And I wanted to make more money in business than I did in sports. Those were my goals. Those were my life goals. And so every year I could check in and figure out, Am I where I'm supposed to be? And I think the same thing is true for franchising that what are your goals as a brand? And are you where you're supposed to be? You know, a lot of brands get to 100 units or 100 locations or 100 outlets, and they just begin to struggle. And sometimes they don't know how to get over the hump of 100 units, right? Because they don't have the right capacity or the right infrastructure. But the question is, where are you supposed to be? And what do you need to do to get to these benchmarks? And that's where training and development and resources um, really can help you. Because we've seen franchises hire me to come in and motivate the brand. And I'm like, okay, I can motivate you guys, but that's just a part of the problem. I don't know if we have the right culture. I don't know if we have the right capacity. I don't even know if you're positioned for this growth. So as an athlete, you go into the weight room, you have to work on your upper body and lower body. How many times have we seen these guys with big upper bodies and really skinny legs, right? You know, they do the curls for the girls, but honestly, as a brand, you got to develop your whole brand, all of your people. You have to have the right infrastructure and capacity in order to grow. So for example, Jersey Mike Sub is our biggest client in franchising. And Peter Cancro has basically said, hey, Walter, I want you to be our voice. I want you to come in and I want you to work with our franchisees and our managers. And I want you to be our voice. So they get it. And so they've invested a lot in training and development. We're going to shoot some videos for them in March. In addition to the things we've done in the past, because training and development is really the key. So if you think about it, it doesn't matter if your executive team is bright or brilliant and we have an active. Together, A lot of executive teams have that healthy self-esteem, right? But it's everybody else's fault, right? It's not us, it's them. And the truth is, until your middle managers have the same heart as a corporate office, you got a lot of work to do. And the, the analogy I give you, again, as an athlete, if you're in shape, let me see your abs. Let me see that midsection. Okay, and the same thing is true for for a franchise brand. If you want to tell me you have a great culture, let me see your manager. I want to talk to your middle manager and they're going to tell us the story on how strong or how fit your brand really is.
1: You know, Walter, unlike most athletes who got into sports with the belief that their careers as athletes were their careers. There are others that are like you that entered business with sports as a vehicle to get there. And you had a mindset way before you became an NBA player that this was just a stepping stone to the business career that would follow. How big a difference is there between the two and how many Walter Bonds are out there versus the athletes that are mistakenly thinking that their game days are their best days?
2: Great question, Stan. And I, I give my parents the credit. My dad was a high school principal. My mom was a teacher. We came from a family where you go to school, you get an education and you go out and make something of yourself. We just happen to be good athletes, right? So that didn't change the model. And if you're good enough to play pro sports, it'll happen. But after you're done, still get on the plan. So as far as I'm concerned, I was no different than any other American family. But I just had this unique gift of being big, strong, athletic, and had a talent base where playing in the NBA was a possibility. And so the only difference for me and maybe any other family is that we were good in sports. But the, the model was set. My family was really into education. And people don't know this. I flunked out of my first high school because I was all about sports. I'm the youngest. I was the best athlete. I was named after my uncle who played Major League Baseball. My sister won national championships in college at USC. My father's in the Hall of Fame at his college. And so I came from a very athletic family, but we were student athletes. And that's what my father preached. And I didn't get the message initially. <laughs> I'm like, I'm seeing all the sports success, and I'm the youngest, and everyone said, well, he's the best athlete in the family, and I was like, cool. I'm going to the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. I remember watching Muhammad Ali box. I was like, maybe I'll be a heavyweight champ, but my father always preached education, and honestly, when I failed out of my first high school, this is where Michelle Obama went with the young high school in Chicago. Top kids, the smartest kids in Chicago. I got my lunch handed to and Stan, that's been the key to my success honestly yeah i've had a whole lot of success but i've had some fiasco's and some failures along the way and i probably have learned more from my failures than i have from my successes like oh i don't want to do that again right? i don't want to, <laughs> i don't want to flunk out of school again right And so For any franchise, along the way, what are we learning, right? What are you learning when you have an association that's created by your unhappy franchisees? What are you learning, right? What are you learning when your feedback is poor and your product is being criticized, What are you learning when you're not able to scale beyond 100 locations and now you got to 250, but you're stuck and your own franchisees aren't buying new locations or expanding? Right. What are you learning? You know, to me, it's not about just your franchisees learning. It's like, what are we learning together? And that's why learning and creating a teamwork environment, what happens to you happens to me, is the best way for a franchisor and a franchisees to think. We're in this together. We're gonna win together. We're gonna lose together. And shared fate to me is the critical element of really building a strong brand. Because every morning, Stan, a franchisee wakes up and they ask themselves the question, does my franchisor care about me? Every morning, it's that question, do they care about me? And if you have the right brand, that answer is an emphatic yes, but as you and I both know, sometimes that's not always obvious. It's not always the answer. And my experience in franchising was the latter. Like I had a revelation that this franchise system doesn't really care about my success. If I fail, they'll just resell my territory and call me a bad business guy. <laughs> and I didn't feel that support. I didn't feel that commitment. I didn't feel that care that you want me to be successful. And that's when I come inside of a brand. You know, we have to convince that franchisee first that we're a team and the most we can do that. Now we got a brand that's on the move. We have a brand that's on the rise. We have a brand that is no longer fractured. I've been inside of so many brands through the years, Stan, that I can recognize a fractured brand right away. And the first thing we have to do is heal. The first thing we have to do as a franchisor is create a culture and an environment where that franchisee is totally convinced that my franchisor cares about me and they want me to be successful. And what they focus on is serving me as a franchisee and helping me be successful. And honestly, when we create that dynamic, the franchisee will cooperate. The franchisee will begin to trust. If you lose and violate trust, any relationship is over, especially in franchise. And the way you do, it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's called self-actualization. If I can reach my potential here, I stay and I'm happy. If I don't believe I can reach my potential here, I leave or I stay, I quit and I forget to tell you. And I begin yeah. to become a stinker, you know, inside the brand. You know, that's not what we want. We want every franchisee positive, optimistic, and really buying into the relationship. The trust is there, and that's how you build an amazing brand.
1: Walter, we're gonna come back from our break and talk more about the shark mindset and how you have evolved in terms terms of being more than just a platform speaker for Peter Cancro and Jersey Mikes and others, you're a lot more to them than a once a year convention speaker. So let's come back from a break and talk about the evolution of Walter Bond and your business and how coaching has become as much a part of your life as speaking. We're talking with Walter Bond. He's a retired NBA player who's found a new platform to share with franchisors. And we'll be back to talk more about that right after this.
0: Franchise Today will be right back,
1: but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online and like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zorical, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. And the conversation continues with Walter Bond. Platform speaker, coach, friend, NBA, all-star player, great guy. I can't think of enough adjectives to describe you, Walter, because they're all smiling. Walter Bond, the big guy that you are, and you said you're a big man. Give the audience a sense of what big looks like.
2: Well, by NBA standards, I'm little, uh, but (laughs) by everyday norms, I'm big. I'm 6'5". I've probably come in about 300 pounds right now. I've been eating good, Uh, (laughs) but uh, I want to have an impact, right? Regardless of my physical size, Uh, my goal now is to really have an impact on all of our clients. And I want to help them grow. And the only way I can help them grow is by me growing first.
1: Well, I will say that Walter has an imposing presence when he's in a room, you know, he's there. So he is a big guy, but he's also a gentle giant, even though he talks now about shark mindset. Walter, let's talk about the evolution of your business and how you have evolved from the platform speaker that I met years ago to the depth of what you're doing now, which is as much much coaching as it is speaking, isn't it? It
2: is. And Stan, you know, in sports, we had what we call the offseason. And that was sacred for me because I didn't even start in college. I would sit down with my coach and just say, hey, what do I need to do to play in the NBA? And so every year we had this conversation. Every year my coach gave me my marching orders on what I needed to improve. And my goal in the offseason, Stan, was to turn every weakness into a strength. And so when I started speaking, obviously I had the same mentality. You know, we would take an off season and say, hey, I need to get better at my opening. I, get, I need to get better at my closing. I need to tell better stories. I need to develop content. And before I knew it, I became a Hall of Fame motivational speaker. And then, hey, how about an author? You know, then we wrote Swim, which is now a bestseller. We hit four bestseller lists from Porchlight, which is formerly one 800 ceo Reed. And if you are a leader, trying to really capture what leadership is all about you got to read swim it's a parable where we talk about a shark a suckerfish, fish and a parasite and i know it's a long story but one of my gifts is that i'm very creative but sharks grow about a foot a year stand and to me that is the model for all of us and you're right i started just as a speaker and now i'm like a coach consultant and thought leader that can really help organizations manage their human capital and it's been an evolution it's been a growth process but I can't tell companies to grow. I can't tell leaders to grow if I'm not growing. And So I still have off seasons and we created an off season concept, which is really like a, a boot camp for small business owners, perfect for franchisees to spend a day with me. And we're going to have an off season where today, we're not going to work in your business. We're going to work on your business because so many people have burnt out. So many people are frustrated because they're stuck. And the off season is all about exponential growth. We see it in pro sports. I mean, right now the NFL, it's only two teams standing, right? But the rest of the NFL has already entered the off season, So they're figuring out the draft and making trades and hiring coaches and firing coaches. The whole goal is to be a better product next year. What's wrong with having that mentality for your brand, right? Are you looking at your human capital? Are you looking at your website? Are you looking at your technology? Are you looking at your product mix? Are you looking at your ability to support your franchisees are you looking at your training materials your training programs how good is your training as far as i'm concerned as an athlete stand we would look at everything in your off season and it was your chance to really have exponential growth in all areas. And so I was able to make it to the NBA because of my off season. And so now we do, I mean, in business, that's what we do. We can take clients, especially franchisees through an off season regimen and basically say, for example, I was on a corporate jet with a franchise brand and the CEO handed me the agenda for the meeting. And I looked at the agenda and it was just work, 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 work. And I asked the the founder, I said, Hey, did you guys have a good year? He goes, yeah, we had a record year. And I said, well, in my world, if you have a record year and win a championship, you pop some champagne and celebrate. You know, he just fell back into his chair and he was like, wow, great point. We got to celebrate, right? You can't drive your people. You can't set these lofty goals, have your people achieve the goals and just gloss through it and keep working. (laughs) No, we got to celebrate. And so for three days, we smoked cigars and sipped on champagne. He bought everybody a gift and basically said thank you and celebrated the success And then we transitioned into what I call brutal honesty, right? So, what do we need to do next year to get bigger, stronger, and faster? Without the celebration, you don't give your people a chance to basically stick their chest out and say, you know what? We busted our butt and we did it, right? And once you celebrate and let celebration run its course, trust me, your people are going to rebound and say, okay, we like this winning stuff. What do we need to do next year to take it to the next level? What do we need to do next year to repeat? this championship level. And so that's what we do in sports. And I'm bringing that same mentality to business. There's something you can celebrate. You know, I don't care if you're not where you want to be. You always got to end your year with celebration. Here's another key stand. I never understood in sports, you have one season and each season is its own entity. When that season's over, everyone has a new chance that next season to win a championship. When I got into business, people don't think that way. The only thing that separates one year from the next is the holiday party, right? (laughs) We're going to go get drunk, eat some Christmas cookies and pass out some gifts. And next year, we're doing everything the same exact way. I'm like, hello, this year is over. In order to be more successful next year, we got to do something better. We got to improve something. What is the strategy? to improve. When do we work on our business and not in our business? If we are busy and not have an exponential growth or exponential improvement, something's wrong. We got to look at our business very smart and really realize, okay, I have a concept called the power of two. And basically we look at every aspect of your business and we figure out the two most important areas that you need to focus on. That's going to give you the biggest lift next year. And here's how I created the power of two. Uh, my senior year in college, I never started Stan. And I, um, I had come off the bench and I asked my coach, what do I need to do to play in the NBA? Right. I'm a prospect. I'm on the verge. But what do I need to do? This would be said to me. Walter, you gotta do two things. You gotta lose about fifteen pounds and you gotta knock down a three point shot from NBA range. If you do those two things, I believe you can play in the NBA. And honestly, that's where the power of two was birthed. I lost fifteen pounds and I would shoot five hundred shots a day from NBA range. And those were the benchmarks that I needed to reach in order for me to play and have my dream come true. So for every brand, your power of two might be different. Your power of two might be like, you know what? We need to improve our processes or we need to improve our follow-up or we need to improve our onboarding of the franchisees. So you know what? Walter makes a great point. We don't even offer training. We just have an annual conference. Then we send everybody home to fend for themselves. If you have a really good training and development Program as a part of your culture, that's the only way your people can reach their potential, right? If your people are not selling well, let's teach them how to sell. If your people don't know how to build teams, in their franchise markets, let's give them a teamwork methodology and teach them how to build a team, right? If your franchisee is not a good communicator, let's teach them how to communicate better. You know, in basketball, you have fundamentals and you work on your dribbling, your shooting and your rebounding. And the only way you can play in the NBA is if you master all of the fundamentals of basketball. Well, isn't the same thing true for business? The only way you can reach your potential in business, you have to master the fundamentals of leadership. You have to master the fundamentals of culture building. You have to master the fundamentals of recruiting, developing, and retaining top talent. These to me are very fundamental to being successful in business. And when I sit down with a lot of franchisees, they don't even know what I'm talking about. Like how to recruit just a a warm body and no felonies is not enough. (laughs) What kind of person fits your culture and your brand and where you're trying to take this brand is our two questions we need to start. If you do that every year, Stan, in the next five years, we won't recognize your brand.
1: My takeaway from this last segment, though, is that that power to is also two-pronged. So there's got to be a power two for the franchisor to be working on corporately. And then the power twos of each and every franchisee working on with their teams in the field. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. And Stan, when I get inside of a brand, I challenge you. I don't care if you're Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't care if you're Home Helpers. Right? I don't care if you're Jersey Mike's. I don't care if you're Little Caesars. Man, we got about a hundred different clients that we've been inside of. It doesn't matter. The franchisor you got to get better and the franchisee, you got to get better. That's the only way you're going to really synergize the entire brand and create trust and accountability.
1: So each of these companies that you speak of and their need to look at each year as another season and the off season and coming back and retooling for the next year, perhaps this past year is the only time where everybody's reset button literally got hit at the same time, whether it was a new year or not. It was a new season in that COVID-19 whacked everybody at the same time. What is the post-COVID world look like, Walter, from your point of view in terms of an opportunity for those who have maybe not even understood through 2020 yet all that they needed to in order to be better and come out of this alive. But now as we enter a new year and we're in the post-COVID era, what can brands do right now to make a world of difference in how the outlook for this and the following seasons are going to look?
2: Well, you know, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story about my book, Swim and the Shark Mindset. The reason why sharks run the ocean is because sharks have made a cartilage, which means they know when to pivot, they know when to change, they know when to shift. When You are made of bones. You are brittle and you are rigid. And so a lot of the brands are focused on a strategy. When I teach my clients, don't focus on your strategy, focus on the result, because we might have to change your strategy. You know, when you're focused and committed to a strategy, that's a mistake, especially if that strategy is not getting you your result. So the result is what we focus on. But right now, because of COVID nineteen, we have all seen what remote work can do. And many of my clients have told me, says Walter, my people are more productive working remotely. So as far as I'm concerned, this new world we're going to live in is going to continue to rely on technology. Because the truth is, meeting someone for coffee or grabbing lunch or dinner—you know what—in that same time frame, I can have four meetings, right? And so I think I'm officially done with coffee, right? That's hop on Zoom and do a 30-minute and we can accomplish the same amount that we would have done face-to-face. And honestly, on Zoom, we are face-to-face. Some of our old school business people are going to struggle because they were trained differently. But the truth is, if you think about a millennial or a Gen Xer, they don't want to go have coffee. A Gen Z, they don't want to have coffee. Let's do a Google Meet. Let's do a Zoom, right? And we don't even need 30 minutes. Let's do 15. But here's the truth. These younger generations, they want to know, what are you doing for the community, right? Are you going to develop me? Are we making a difference, right? So philanthropy is so important. And we have a concept called the Black Tie Effect, and it is a great methodology to teach franchisees that a part of your business model has got to be philanthropy, where you really connect with your local community and not only position yourself and look like you're a giver, really become a giver. Because the truth is, we all know a fake or a phony. You know, don't give away turkeys once a year and and call every news station just to cover your turkey giveaway. That needs to be who you are. Right. That needs to be a part of your DNA. Why? Because you want these communities to invest in you. And the greatest way to do that is to invest in the community. And I think that you should go first. Now, you might say to yourself, Walter, we're struggling right now. Let's just talk about in COVID. That should be a part of your culture because the law of reciprocation is real. Okay, when you sow into my bucket, I'm almost compelled to sow back into your bucket. And so what we do with our program, we give so much value, Stan, because I understand the law of reciprocity whether it's an off-season program. I got an email yesterday where someone sent me a note on LinkedIn that said, Walter, I just finished your book. And Walter, this is the first book that I even read cover to cover. Like the moment I opened up the book, man, it grabbed me and I could not put it down. Thank you for writing such a great book that I could not not finish this book, right? And it's loaded with the sacred six. It's loaded with leadership principles, but 20 freaking dollars, man. It's like a coaching session that's all encompassing, not just for your people, before your leaders, too. And we wrote the book by design. What would be better than a quick book, a quick read that captures your employees and your leaders at the same time to really infuse your culture? If you think about the ocean, that's a culture and the sharks run it. But the sharks that we talk about are not what I studied in my research. Sharks are very respectful, sharks are smart, sharks are hard workers. Sharks are positive and sharks only kill to eat. They are not savages that just wreck everything, right? They respect the ecosystem. That's why they bite us and they spit us out because they think we're nasty. And since we're not really a source of food, you hear about a lot of shark bites, but you rarely hear about someone who got eaten by a shark. Why? Because they know their environment and they only eat fish or turtles to live and not just to be destructive. So my final plea to all franchisees, respect your opportunity, respect your peers, right? Get a mentor, right? And respect the brand and and protect the brand. Franchisors, right? You're the mom and dad. Take care of your kids. And are you training your kids the right way, basically on the core values that you have, right? You got to potty train your kids. You got to teach your kids how to talk. And that takes time and patience. And it's an investment. The same thing is true in franchising. You got to invest in your franchisees if you want to create amazing systems and an amazing brand.
1: Walter, you really put a ton out there. And, you know, for years, I've always proffered that while it's important that a brand celebrate its secret sauce and protect its secret sauce and it's the things that operationally make it a powerful brand they also have a culture to protect and you can't fake that part to me it's like the part of an iceberg that you can't see it's underwater others can't replicate it or copy it like you said you've got to live it you've got to breathe it and culture to me eats strategy for breakfast lunch and dinner. So strategy is important, but culture has always come first. Walter, we're almost at the final turn. What have I not asked you, my friend, that you wish I would have?
2: Well, one, how to get in touch is at just simple walterbond.com. But two, Stan, you just said a mouthful. And he, here's what I want to leave with, honestly. Adversity. You know, adversity really gives you a chance to really see how strong your culture is. And it's been painfully clear for me. Strong culture's have thrived in the coronavirus, COVID-19. Bad cultures have struggled in this epidemic. And so the question is, if you've struggled as a brand through this epidemic, we need to talk because we need to improve your culture because adversity is designed to increase your value. My brands that have an amazing culture, they are thriving. The other brands we work with that didn't have a strong culture coming into the pandemic are struggling. And the true lesson for me moving forward is work on your culture nonstop. And the next time we have some chaos, your brand can benefit from it instead of being victimized by adversity.
1: This is great stuff, Walter. And I was going to give you a free pass on letting people find out how to reach you. The free question was going to come your way anyway. We covered them both and we did them both at the same time. Walter, what are you looking at for the balance of 2021 from just a Crystal ball, read tea leaves. How do you see this year differently than we looked at 2020 when all this whacked us and it blindsided us? We know more about it now. So, where do we go from here in 21 and how do you see this year looking for people in franchising?
2: I think it's all about teamwork. I think that teamwork is the buzzword for 2021. My final thought is when I left sports, stand it was all about teamwork. And when I got into business, It was all about leadership. In fact, if you go into a bookstore, the ratio of leadership books to teamwork books is awful. It's like 20 to one. And I happen to know that teamwork is everything. So we created a methodology called iTeam where we really come in and can strengthen and reinforce a brand by just teaching simple teamwork methodology to the entire brand because it's not about the leader you, it's about us. And until a leader understands how to delayer themselves, get off that throne, right? Level the playing field and say, Hey man, this is about us. And I'm in this with you. <laughs> right? And we're a team, right? You're not going to have a strong brand. You sit on this big throne and I'm a leader and, and I'm a dictator or I'm a leader, but I lack accountability and I blame my franchisees for everything. We'd have a better brand, but all my franchisees are weak. That's the wrong culture. We got to delayer you, get you off your high horse, and really focus on team because great coaches stand in sports and known as great coaches, not because they think they're great coaches, right? They're known as great coaches because they consistently field high-performing teams. So unless you consistently can field a high-performing brand, you don't deserve to be considered a great leader because the way you should be measured is how well does your team perform? And so if that is the measuring stick, Mr. Leader or Mrs. Leader, let's teach you how to build this team so you can be seen in high esteem as this great leader, not because you think you're a great leader, but because your team is performing at a championship level at all times and people are begging to become a part of your brand. That's when you know you have a great team.
1: Walter, is there anybody too small or some brands that are not yet mature enough in their life cycles to be benefiting from your work and help?
2: Well, we we have every price point. You know, we have books, we have trainings, we have automated programs, we have coaching programs. We have built an organization that can match any budget, to be honest with you. We can scale up to a Jersey Mike's, or we can scale down to an emerging brand with 10 locations or or whatever the case may be. Because honestly, the biggest and most important thing to do is to really impact your franchise office first. And I don't even want to focus on your franchisees if I can help it first, but if you're a smaller brand, let's get that core right. You know, if I look at a tree, you got to get the trunk right to me, which is the corporate office. And then the branches will come. And I'm from Chicago. I've seen some branches and some oak trees so big that the branches look like tree trunks. So the analogy I want to give for a smaller brand, let's work on the trunk and let's get you strong and fortified. Because if we get you strong and fortified, we're going to grow branches left and right, and they're going to be supported and they're going to be nourished. Why? Because the trunk is strong. For my big brands, it's a little bit of a different deal because I really focus on the middle managers. When I think, about big brands. And I gave the analogy that the abs, don't tell me you're in great shape. Let me see the stomach, right? And if you're a big brand, don't tell me you're in great shape. Let me see your managers. The managers to me are your abs. They're going to tell the story on how strong your culture really is. Is that manager preaching the same gospel you are in your corporate office? Until that manager is preaching and saying the same things and bought in, you got a lot more work to do to claim you have a strong brand. The abs and your middle section are synonymous with your managers buying into your brand.
1: So the good news for the audience is there's nobody that you can't help or touch and improve their lives and the lives of their franchisees. Walter Bond, I can't thank you enough for coming here today and improving the lives of my audience by spending a little time with us on Franchise today.
2: Thank you, Stan. My pleasure.
1: Well, how is that for motivation Next week, we'll do it all again, but until then, please, just keep making great things happen for your franchisees, yourselves, and all of those that you support and care about. Keep working smarter and hitting the gas harder as you punch through whatever gets in your way. I'm Stan Friedman, and as always, I'm wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise
0: Today is out.